Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, are you awake this morning? It's one of those mornings, isn't it, where, you know, we challenge as a church to get up every morning and say, oh, God, you're so good and it's wonderful. And uh, Lord, you know, I'm going to start my day the right way. I think today in, in, in the whole world is the toughest day to do that because we wake up and we just want to chuck something at our alarm clock. So uh, hopefully, uh, for those of you who are here, here's the good news. In about 45 minutes, uh, the back doors will open and there'll be a few people who didn't set their clocks back that we can laugh at them. It's allowed in church on this day. So it's in the Bible somewhere. I'm sure it is. Uh, my name is Terry. And uh, if you're a first time here today, Uh, It's a joy to be able to welcome you here to our church today, and if you're watching online as well. And we're in the middle of a message series entitled Move, and we've been kind of unpacking and answering the question uh, that God has for all of us. In, In what manner of our daily life does God expect us to move or to make a move. And uh, some people, um, in fact, it might be you today, you might be here and you'd say, you know, Terry, I feel stuck. You know, I, I feel like I've been in the same position, uh, whether it be spiritually, whether it be with your family. Um, and so we, we truly believe as a staff that as we've kind of been preparing for this message series, that God has um, obviously the power to be able to really get you moving in the right way. Uh, in order to set this up, uh, something happened this past week in a lot of different churches, uh, liturgical churches around the, the world, uh, something on Wednesday called Ash Wednesday. And if you were watching TV or if you, you're around in the community, you saw a bunch of individuals with ashes in the shape of a cross on their forehead. And, and, and those of us that grew up maybe in, in evangelical worlds or churches, you might say, well, Terry, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Why are they doing that? It's actually a, a really, really cool thing that a lot of those churches are doing because what they do is they challenge uh, their congregations and their people uh, that for 40 days leading up to Easter, that they, they pause and as they, as they maybe give up something, whether that be uh, food or whether that be a meal or whether that be a snack or whether that be um, something that they like, that as they give that up for 40 days, that every time they have a hunger pain, every time they desire whatever it is they gave up, that it will cause them to say, wait, I'm giving that on purpose, and why am I giving up? Oh, that's right. Um, God, I want to know more about you. That God, I want you to draw me closer to you. And it's really meant to help lead all of our people closer and closer to God leading up to the cross, which is on Easter Sunday that we celebrate his resurrection. Well, a funny story goes about uh, probably four years ago, I had a member of our church um, that grew up in an evangelical world and said, Terry, explain Lent to me. They call it Lent. And so I explained the whole process. And they said, "Um, so is Lent a bad thing? I go, no. I said, I think it's a great thing. I think it's a great thing for us to participate in. If you want to participate, go for it. And he says, "Um, all right, I'll tell you what. He said, I love candy. He said, and you know, my wife gets on me because I eat too much candy, rots my teeth. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to choose to give up candy for 40 days. I said, brother, that's awesome. I'm so proud of you. I'll hold you accountable. The next word out of his mouth gave me pause. He said, I'll tell you what, I challenge you to give up something too. I said, great. I said, "Um, uh, what do you want to challenge me to? He says, I know you love Diet Coke. And I go, oh. I said, yes. And he says, so you've got to give up Diet Coke for 40 days. I said, all right, the deal, I'm in, let's do it. So we started. Now I got to be honest with you. I mean, it was, the first few days it was hard because, you know, you get to lunchtime, they'd be like, oh, I'll have a diet. Oh, wait, 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 no, 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 never mind. I'll have, you know, something else. And even, I, I even had the opportunity to cheat. I remember I was at a place where they have the open fountain station and I was really hankering for a Diet Coke. And I went in and next to the Diet Coke was the Coke Zero. 
And I stood there. And if you ever wanted to see like literally angel on one side, devil on the other, I'm standing in front of it with my cup going, ooh, Coke Zero. It's not really Diet Coke. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it tastes totally different. And then I have the angel side, but Terry, you know, that has the same thing. It's the same process. You're just really kind of just trying to cheat your way. And so I went back and forth, back and forth, filled it, emptied it, filled it, emptied it. The manager's getting mad at me. Finally, I just said, nope, 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 I'm not going to do it. And I'm just going to go ahead and, and I'm, I'm going to skip it. I get to the end of 40 days and we have a celebration dinner with this couple. We go out. I'll never forget. We were at Bonefish Grill right across the street. And we didn't even get to the table. And my friend's wife says, okay, Terry, wait, 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 before he says anything, And I'm like, oh, he's in trouble. He did something. I don't know what it is. Before he says anything, he said, I just have one question to ask you. So now as a pastor, I'm sitting here going, okay, theological, they're having a debate in marriage. You know, this is uncomfortable. You know, are they going to spill out dirty laundry? Her next question was this. I kid you not. Are fruit snacks and gummy bears considered candy? (laughs) I look at him and he's got this smile on his face. You didn't describe what candy. I gave up one type of candy, but you didn't tell me I had to give up all candy. So for 40 days, I went with Dr. Coke, and this guy's eating gummy bears. Here's the point. At the end, it led into a great conversation of not just what we gave up, but how that affected our lives every day. Did it draw us to pray more? Did it draw us to ponder more? Because Lent is not just about something that you give up. And that's the thing that I think sometimes in Christianity is that many times we we focus on one aspect and we forget the overarching principle. And it can cause us to make decisions or live our lives or move in a way that might be misdirected. In fact, Paul, a guy, um, amazing, amazing Christian, wrote long ago to a church. And he was writing to a community and he was challenging them because they were acting in such a way that was misdirected and they were moving in a way that wasn't what God intended. And so um, if you're new to the Bible, we're going to turn into a book called Romans. It's a letter that Paul wrote and we're going to begin in chapter 10 and we're going to answer a lot of questions that I know many of us have been asking for a very long time. So Romans chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, you can follow along on here. Here we go. He says this, dear brothers and sisters, The longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. Let me kind of sum this up. Paul says, the number one thing on my heart, the number one thing that's most important to me is that people understand what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and spend eternity with him. That's basically what Paul said. And then he pauses and he shifts and he says, however... There are a lot of brothers and sisters and they have enthusiasm for God, but it's misdirected. It's misdirected in the wrong way. Let me give you some context. Paul is writing to Jewish Christians. Now remember, Jesus Christ, he was Jewish and he died and the Jews were God's people and are God's people. And so all of a sudden he dies, he gets risen from the grave and many Jewish people say, whoa, It must be true. And they start having to morph and change. Wait a minute. In the past, it was all about the Ten Commandments and following the laws of Moses. Now it's about accepting Jesus Christ and having a relationship with him. I'm confused. Is it both and? What do we do? How do I live my life? So here's what the Jewish people started to do. They started to come over. And as Paul is teaching, he's saying, hey, it's all about a relationship with Christ. 
that that's fundamental. And the Jewish people would say to their brothers and sisters aside, yes, it's a relationship with Christ. But remember, you also need to do this and this and this and this and this. And if you don't do this, then you don't have a relationship with God. And Paul was trying to challenge them, saying, no, 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 you're getting out of whack. You're being misdirected. In fact, St. Augustine, said this one time. If you're taking notes, write this down. I think it's brilliant. He said this. It is better, as Augustine says, to limp in the right way than to run with all of our might in the wrong way. It's better to limp in the right way than to run with all of our might in the wrong way. And I I think many of us, including myself at times, I think sometimes we find ourselves on a wrong path, misdirected, And Augustine says, Terry, it'd be better for you to do a really, really poor job of walking the right way than to run with zeal in the wrong way. Now, some of you are saying, well, Terry, what is that right way? Well, Paul's going to get to it. In fact, the next word out of his mouth gives us pause. In the next verse, verse 3, he says this, 4. Now, if you were here last week, you remember I said, if you ever see the start of a sentence in Scripture, therefore, you have to ask yourself the question, what is it therefore? If you ever see the word for, it means that whatever you just read This is what it's tying to. So don't miss this. So Paul says, hey, everyone's got misdirected zeal. Four, they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Type A, stop reading. Because Paul says something really important here. He says they don't understand what it means to be right with God. And I bet if I were to ask every one of you on the floor watching online, if I could interview you right now and said, What does it mean to be right with God? I can guarantee you I would get multitude of different answers. And that's what Paul is directing to. He's saying there's only one way to be right with God. But for some reason, for even believers in who God is, we're misdirected and we're going in different routes. Augustine says, look, it'd be better to at least know the right thing and do it poorly than do the wrong thing full out. And so he continues on with this. He says, they're refusing to accept God's way. They cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. Now, here, let me illustrate this another way in this room. What does that mean? I, I give an example. I think there's many of us that think that if, if I go to church 51 Sundays out of the year, because even God will give us a Sunday off. If we go 51 Sundays out of the year, if I spend every single day reading my Bible, then that gains me more favor with God. The antithesis of this is some of you in this room, you walk in on a Sunday and because you haven't been to church for a long time, because you haven't done all the right things, that when you look at God, you shudder, you turn away. You don't pray. You don't talk to him. You don't go near him. Why? Because in our earthly bodies, isn't it true? that when we spend more time with someone, we get to know them better, we gain more favor with them. Isn't that true? And we take that and we place it on God and think the same thing is true with God. However, that's not true. You don't gain more favor with God by all the things that you do. You can't gain more favor with God. You want to know why? Because he died for you. He already gave you everything that he possibly could by dying a sacrificial life for you. So there's nothing more that you can do to make God like you more because you're already his. 
In fact, Paul even says this. Look at the next verse. He said, for Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Now, I define righteousness all the time. In the church, we use the word righteousness and hardly anybody knows what righteousness means. And righteousness in the original language is this, a right heart with God. That's righteousness. And so what the Jewish people of the day were doing, the Jewish believers, is they were saying, hey, it's not just what Christ did for me. If you want to have a right heart with God, you need to do this and this and this and this and this. In the Christian world today, it would mean this. No, 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 Terry. It's not just that Jesus died for you. If you don't get up every morning and read your Bible, if you don't go to church three times a week, if you don't help someone that is poor each week, God is going to be mad at you. And you're not going to have a right heart with him. That's not true. So perfectionists in the room, let me speak to you. This is really important for you. And if you're not a perfectionist, then just lean in because you're going to learn something about a personality type. There are personality types in this room that will get up in the morning and they will set their day ahead and it's unrealistic. And then when they don't accomplish all that they think they can accomplish in a day, they go to bed at night feeling like a failure. And if you ask anybody who's a perfectionist in this room, when you live like that week in and week out and you go to bed every night feeling like a failure, it causes you and it causes your heart to go into a dark place. And when you go into a dark place, all you do, imagine if you have that personality and you do that all the time and you think that every day you're growing farther and farther and farther away from God. You wonder how people lose hope in this world? Imagine thinking every day that you're growing farther from God. I want to speak to your heart today because if you think or if someone tells you theologically that when you do the wrong thing, that God looks less of you, that is not theological. That is not biblically true because Jesus Christ already looked at all of your sin and all of your failures and he knows all that you're not accomplishing And he still, on a day long ago, went to the cross and said, Terry, I love all of you. I love all of you. And I'm dying and dying for you to show you how valuable, how fearfully, wonderfully made you are in me. By the way, parents, do you know that in preschool, elementary, middle school, and high school, all this month, our kids are learning what it means to be made in the image of God. And they are learning that God loves them for who they are. Wouldn't it be wonderful if they went home to grandparents or parents that actually lived a life that modeled that same fact? Now, for some of you in this room that are maybe you're a little confused and you say, well, Terry, what does it mean to be right with God? There is one thing that will make you right with God. And it's one of the most famous passages around. And I want to show it to you. Romans 10, 9 says this. If you openly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And he doubles down and he says this, for it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. I'm going to say it again. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made righteous with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. For all of us in this room, it's very clear. I just got done in starting point just a few seconds ago, and I shared this with the group. 
Um, and it's something that I grew up in the 90s with. And it's a question that was asked to me by a friend who has since gone to be with the Lord. And he looked at me and he said, Terry, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? And I remember looking at him and saying, I think, maybe. And I'll never forget him putting his arm around me and saying, do you know that today you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are right with God? And I said, tell me, tell me how I can know this. And he went to this scripture and he said, because Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I believe that. You are my Lord, you are my savior. And I'm gonna try every day to follow you. And because you believe in your heart, you are made right with God, which means you will spend eternity with God the Father. Now, wouldn't it be great if as Christians, as perfectionists in this room, we all left today and we held on to that with all our might. That it's not about what we do. It's not about what we say. It's all filtered through one thing, and that is the cross. Wouldn't we move in a much better direction? In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Any movement for Christ that doesn't start with the cross is misdirected. I'll say it again. Any movement for Christ that doesn't start with the cross is misdirected. So here's what that means practically, and I don't want to go too long. But it means this. I know some wonderful people, and they get up in the morning, and they spend time with God, and they, and they pride themselves. Every day I'm in the Word. Every day I'm in the Word. And it's wonderful, by the way. Don't get me wrong. But it's become something different than what it's supposed to be. It's about checking it off a list. It's about opening up the Bible and not even really, you could ask them three seconds later, what'd you read? And they wouldn't know because I'm just reading words on a paper. It really is not about connecting with it or connecting with God. It's just finishing and checking off my list. What good is that? It's misdirected. That's why every day we should open up and we should say, God, thank you for dying on the cross and and making me right with you because of that. And because of that, I am going to spend time with you. Because of that, I am going to tell others about you. Because of the cross, I am not going to think evil thoughts about that person. I'm going to hold myself. And so now, for those of you, hopefully you understand clearly what it means to be right by God. Paul then goes and he shifts gears. And I want to tell you, because again, he wants us all to move in one direction. But then he shifts gears and he goes to those that don't know who Jesus is. And he has a challenge for all of us in this room with regards to it. Romans 10, 14 says this, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in it? In other words, Paul says, how can other people call on Jesus to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. I want to pause right there. That's an amazing, this is why the Bible is so amazing. And this is why if you just, if you, if you read it and you understand more, it's so deep. And I want to, I want to show this. This is one example. When I just read that statement, many of you, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Oh, that's really, that's great. That's, that's a good statement. In other words, for those of us that tell others about Jesus, we're beautiful. That's great. No, that's not the meaning of this. In fact, he is referencing and he's fulfilling a prophecy from long ago by a guy named Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet and he wrote a long time ago about this act. And I want you to see it. Isaiah wrote in 52.7, how beautiful are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. And Paul says it again. Now, what does he mean? If you had the chance to live in biblical times, I want you to transport back 
They didn't have Nike shoes that might blow out and cost Zion Williamson his career. They had open-toed, barefoot. They didn't have roads with pavement. It was dirt. It was mud. It was muck. It was urine. It was feces. Can't believe I said that in church. It was disgusting. In fact, in every home that you walked into, there was usually a servant by the door, and before the person walked into the home, the servant would wash the feet of anybody who entered. That was such a dirty and despicable act that even Jewish servants weren't allowed to do it. It had to be a Gentile. It wouldn't be allowed to be a Jewish because it was beneath anyone. And so Paul says this, don't miss this, oh, lean in, lean in, lean in. For those of us that move in such a way in the right path to tell others about God's love, Paul says, how beautiful your feet are. Even if they're disgusting, even if they're dirty, even if they're muck-filled, how beautiful your feet are. What a movement we could do as a church when we filter that, we move in the right direction. I'm going to ask right now Pastor Jim Swaringa to join us, our missions pastor, to join us on the stage because I have a few questions to ask him. Would you welcome Jim to the stage? Hi, Jim. Do you need to see my feet? Uh, no, I don't need oh. to see your feet. That would, uh, the front row would really appreciate you not doing that. I appreciate that. Um, you know, we just got done unpacking kind of, uh, you know, what it means to move in the right direction and what God expects all of us. Um, we have an opportunity this summer um, that God has blessed our church with. Um, and it was based upon uh, some movements that we had last year. Uh, but why don't you tell everyone about All Nations Cafe and how that ties in with our message today? Sure. Uh, every year we have about a um, couple thousand uh, international students on a, that come to Myrtle Beach on a J-1 visa. And they're here for about 90 days, and they come here to live and to work and to get to know the American culture. Um, <clears throat> well, Seacoast Vineyard Church, in, the, in, in partnership with uh, Impact Ministries, about five years ago started uh, All Nations Cafe, where they would bring the students in, and they would feed them on Tuesday nights, Wednesday nights. And last year, we had the opportunity to partner with them. They asked us to come along, and um, three times last summer is what we were able to host uh, one of those nights and to feed all these students. That's awesome. And from, like you said, over 50 nations, thousands of students that are coming into the Myrtle Beach area. And I want you to imagine, church, um, these are individuals that some of them come by themselves. They don't come with others. And so they're coming into a new area, a new location. They don't understand where they've been. Um, and they come from a background which, if you thought there's only a handful of religions, um, trust me, there are countless religions out there around the world. And so all these backgrounds, they're coming here, and they want to learn about us and so as we talk about them coming and us hosting a night, um, you know, as I'm challenging them to move and really kind of talk about what God is doing in their life, I mean, how do we have the privilege of doing that? What does a night look like uh, at All Nations Cafe? Sure. Well, last year, uh, Seacoast and, and Impact said, we, 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 uh, when we volunteered there, we had like over 40 volunteers come and help us out those, those nights. And they said, you got such a great turnout. Would you guys be interested in hosting one of these at your church this next summer? And we said, that'd be great. And so what we're going to do is on Thursday night, starting in June, is we're going to have about 10 of these uh, nights where we will host here, have these students come here, because um, Seacoast reaches students down towards that way. We've got another area that reaches up in North Myrtle Beach. But this whole section here has not even been reached to, to reach those students. 
So what we're going to do is we've had a team that we put together here in the past two months that have been talking about how we're going to reach these students. Um, and so we're putting together teams right now to be able to do uh, host, to be host tables, to be um, food servers, to be uh, registration and welcoming. Um, you know, just getting practical, if I'm sitting in this room, I've, I've got uh, uh, my wife and I've got our son, Connor. Um, and if we were looking at coming and, and partnering and, and being a part of this on a, on a consistent basis, I mean, you know, what does that look like for us? Because, you know, we, we, we have an 11-year-old and bring in, um, you know, how do families get in part? Like, what, what does it practically look like? And if I were to walk into that event, how can God use me? And is it really that important? And I, and I mean that because sometimes we go to something and we want to help, but we don't see the value in giving our time because we're we, we don't see the fruit of it, but what can we do and what can, as a church, what impact can we have? Sure. Well, these, these students are coming here to learn American culture. Mm-hmm. They're coming here because they, they have an opportunity to, to come and to learn more about how, how we live because America is pretty popular around the world. And so what we do, what we're going to plan on doing is having table hosts who will be able to sit down as these students are eating and to talk to them. As we have games that we'll be setting up. We'll t- teach them. We're going to try to teach them some kind of dance. Oh, wow. So I, heard you do, I, I do, do the, the electric, electric slide. slide. I can do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I heard about that. We're not going to teach that one. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to have opportunities for, for uh, students, for our, our uh, single adults and our, our families to come together to sit around the tables and talk to them. To, um, and more, a, lot of, a lot of times we think, well, I don't know what to say. And I don't know what to tell them. We want to get to the point where we want to share the gospel with them, of course. Yeah. But we also wanted to take the time, as, as we learned in missions, is that we want to first just listen. Mm. Listen to their stories. Listen to why did they come to America. Tell us about your family. Tell us about what your culture is like there. And yeah. then we'll have opportunities to play games with them, to, to, be, to be involved in all kinds of different things with them. Yeah, I know. And, and, and I can't remember what week it is because we, we just wrapped up a videotape of, for our neighborhood groups of, of just going through. And, and that question is, like, how can I be a part? And we answered that question by saying it's two things. Um, put the who before the what. And sometimes we want to get to the what. We want to tell people about Jesus um, before getting to know the who behind them. And so what, what this gives us an opportunity is to sit at tables with all these different cultures and learn about their culture, learn about their background, their families, and build trust enough to where then they turn to us and say, tell me a little bit about you and tell us what makes you tick. Um, and sharing just a, a few things about our life and about who Jesus is can really, I get excited because these students are going home. And could you imagine in a dark country that, that doesn't have access to who Jesus is, could you imagine the words you share with them are going to go into a dark place and bring light to a dark world? Um, it's pretty incredible. Jim, how, how can we today, if we were to say, you know, I want to move, I want to move in the right way, how can we today start that move? Glad you asked. We have at uh, the, both entrances, the 74th Street and here, we've got a uh, booth set up. We've got people there manning those booths that you can help you register online or register by paper of how you can be a part of one of our teams that we're putting together, we're forming together. That's great. Um, I want to challenge our church um, because, again, I, mean, I hate to say it, but sometimes as Christians we do a lot of talking, but we don't do a lot of doing. Um, and, and we have the nations coming to our building. It's as easy as that. And so I'm going to challenge our church um, today to move in the right direction. Even if it's limping, as Augustine says, limp in the right direction. Um, and so I'm going to challenge you to sign up today, to be a part of a team. If you start thinking, well, I, I don't have the time or I'm not good enough or this and that, that's a lie. That is misdirection. 
So I'm going to challenge you today to make it a point. You can sign up if you don't make it to one of the hallways today. You can sign up online at ovbc.org slash events. Here's what I'd love. I'd love Monday or Tuesday for Pastor Jim to come into the office and say, Pastor Terry, you would not imagine the amount of people that have signed up and said, I'm ready to move. That's my prayer. We're going to need at least 50 volunteers each night throughout the summer. If we can't get 50 volunteers every night, I shudder to think. I shudder to think in my prayer time before God because that means I've failed as my job as a pastor because God's bringing the nations here and how wonderful and how beautiful the feet of those that bring the good news. Would you thank Pastor Jim for being up here today? Um, We're tied on time, and so I just want to wrap things up. Just a couple more things that I want to share with you. You know, today, obviously, we talked about what it truly means to be righteous with God. I'm a teacher by trade, and I just I share that with you. If you missed that, or anything, it's, it's only by the cross of Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can do to earn your way to heaven, nothing you can do to make yourself have more favor with God. It's all about that relationship with God. And Paul then doubles down and says, so then what do we do with that? We move, and we move with beautiful feet to tell others about that same truth. And you have an opportunity to do just that. He closes with this statement. It's one of our favorite passages. So faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the good news about Jesus Christ. You want to see a world changed for Christ? How beautiful the feet of those who tell someone they hear, they receive, and they share the good news of Christ. In our lives as Christians, I close with this. In our lives as Christians, I think sometimes we get misdirected. Sometimes we focus on one thing and we forget the important thing. And Lent teaches us that this season. And I close with this note. The story of Lent is not about giving up. The purpose of Lent is about taking in. And some of us in Christianity, we forget the overall story. Christ compels us, his followers, to move. And the question we face is whether to move with or against what he desires for each of us. Church, I pray that we would see over the course of the next few months a movement in this church that sees countless lives saved because of the good news. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much um, for your love. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, right now, um, I pray for those in the room that have lived a life of faith that believes that they can earn their way to heaven or that if they do certain things, God will be happier with them. And God, we know that that's not true because on a cross long ago, you looked into our eyes and our hearts and you said, I love you for who you are. And all I ask of you is to believe, receive and trust in what I'm about to do for you, that I'm the son of God and I'm dying and taking your sin on the cross so that you're free. And so God, help us today to believe in that message. Help us today to live a life that's free and help us to move in such an incredible way. We bless you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.